Everybody stand to your feet. Uh, let's jump into the word real quickly. Don't worry. Uh, we're not going to be standing long. Only got two uh, scriptures for our opening uh, uh, verse. But um, for uh, context of where we're picking up, uh, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Um, this is the church that Paul started uh, and, and made in, in Corinth. And um, after a couple years, the Corinthian church began to grow uh, wary of Paul's shortcomings. They, they were talking about how he wasn't even uh, worthy enough to, to be the, their apostle. And they began to see all these things. And so this is uh, Paul's response to that about them talking about his weaknesses. And, and we really don't know what the weakness was that the Corinthian church was talking about. Some theologians think that it was uh, a physical weakness. Some think it was uh, a financial weakness, like he just didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, and so they're talking about this. We don't know what the weakness is, but Paul says uh, in the verse you're about to pick up that he asked God to, to take this weakness away, to take this from him. Um, and this is where we pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says this. It says, each time he said, my grace, everybody say, my grace. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Everybody say strong. He said, I am strong. What Paul was communicating with the Corinthian church was this. Is he, was saying, he was saying, look, just because you have a weakness doesn't mean that you can't be used by God. Because there began to be a religious mindset to grow in the Corinthian church, which was this, that only perfect people can be used by God. And if you know anybody, you know nobody's perfect, right? There is no such thing as a perfect person but Jesus. And so that religious mindset can set in and withhold people back from falling after God. Because why? Because none of us are perfect and we all fall short. This is the title for tonight. You can turn to your neighbor, say the title, say called and qualified. Called and qualified. Let's pray over service real quickly tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us, God, in your house that we have come together under your presence for one reason, one reason only, and that's to grow closer to you, God, to experience more of your peace, your love, and your joy. So have your way tonight, Jesus. Have your way tonight, Holy Spirit. Work on the inside of us, God. Uh, if there's anything that might be blocking any distractions, God, we remove them right now in the name of Jesus. We prepare our hearts to be good ground to receive this word. So, Father, we thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place tonight, God. We thank you, Father, for, for chains breaking tonight, God. We thank you, Father, for, for mindsets that were holding us back, us being a lead from that tonight. Father, we are just here to love you, to love your people, and grow closer to you, Jesus. Thank you so much for just allowing us to gather like this. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Man, come on, give, give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. If y'all don't know this, um... Pastor Caleb Rivera and I have been friends for a long time, a long time. Before we were doing ministry, before we were uh, even thinking of 
doing anything in this aspect of what we're doing. We were, we were friends, and, uh, and we would go on vacations with each other. And one year, I think we were both about 16 or, or 17 at the time, um, uh, he went on vacation with my family, and we went to Branson, uh, Missouri. If you've ever been there, um, it's a pretty cool place. It's like they call it the, uh, the family-oriented version of Vegas. That's what they call it. It's like all they have like these all these shows and all these cool things to do, but it's all family friendly and it's a good great place to go and and so we spent a vacation there and we did zip lining. It was like the world's longest zip line there. And we did uh, we did all um, different types of things. Um, but during that time, uh, we still played basketball a lot even to this to this day. But um, back when we were in high school, um, we were quite literally ball is life type people. Like we played like basketball all the time. Um, we were always at each other's house or playing here at the church. And so we were all play, always playing basketball. And we stayed at this um, condo in, in Branson, and we were looking for a basketball court. We couldn't find one. There was none around us. And, and we were adjacent with another really kind of uh, really upscale, uh, I guess it was like a, a golf course, a country club, and they had a basketball court. And so we said, you know what, I bet, and there was, see, this is kind of their fault. There was no fence around them, okay? They couldn't keep us out. So we're like, I bet you they won't say anything if we just sneak over there and play basketball. And so that's what we wanted to do. And uh, so we grabbed, we, we were those type, we even brought our own basketballs all the way from, you know, the house from Texas. And so we, we go up there, we have our basketball in hand, we're walking to this basketball court. And from a distance, we see that there is uh, two uh, guys playing basketball. And they're, like, both with their shirts off, and they're, like, really, like, muscular, and they're, like, dunking and stuff. And, like, we're walking up. I'm, like, I don't know if I want to play basketball anymore. And they, like, re look really intimidating. We were thinking about turning around. But from a distance, these two guys saw us walking towards them with a basketball. And they called out to us from a distance, and they said, hey, do y'all want to play two-on-two? Which, if y'all know, you know, it's playing two-on-two against them. And, and so from a distance, you're, like, calling us out. And so we're like, okay, well, we got to play now. And uh, so we go, and we start playing basketball against them. And, and again, these guys are bigger than us. They're, they're way more athletic, and they're older. Uh, I remember when we were talking to these guys before we played, and they were just talking about how good they were at basketball. And uh, one of these guys were like, yeah, I just won prom king or whatever. He's like, I'm going to go do this. He's like, they're just talking about all, this, all these things. And, and I could tell by talking to them that they didn't think we were going to have a chance against them. Like, they, this by talking to them, they said, okay, these guys are smaller than us. Um, these guys, they, they do not even deserve to be on the court with us. And so they just thought they were going to have this an easy time playing basketball against us. But when the game started, um, that is not what happened. Uh, we played against them, and they were really athletic, and they, they could play basketball, but uh, Caleb Rivera and I just had one of those games where we just played, like, the game of our life, really. Like, we couldn't miss uh, uh, this, like, the first game lasted probably only five minutes. Like, we, th I think we, they only scored, like, one point, and it was, like, 12 to 1, and are like, What's going on? And he said, let's, let's play again. Let's play another one. And we beat him again. It was like uh, 12 to 2. And they're like, okay, one more game. We beat him like three times in a row. After, on and on. We could see them getting frustrated. And they were like yelling at each other for not playing defense, what have you. And, and, uh, and then even by the end, they're like, okay, you know what? Let's play one-on-one. -on -one. Let's see. And then so they tried to play us one-on-one. -on -one and we still beat them. And uh, you can clap for that. We're, we're kind of proud of it. Um, 
But what I could tell is that they, when we were walking towards them, they were totally judging us by how we looked from the outside. And they automatically disqualified us as competition right off the bat, right? They said, okay, these guys are smaller than us. Uh, we're older than them. They are not nearly as athletic as us. We're going to have our way with them. But what they didn't know, right, was on the inside, or they didn't know that we played basketball a lot, right? We might not look the part, but we played enough to at least be good enough to, to hold our own. And, and when I was thinking about that story, I, it makes me think of how a lot of times the world tries to disqualify us right off the bat. Like if they see one thing wrong with you, if they see one mistake, if they see one shortcoming, they say, okay, you're, you're no longer qualified to, to do this thing, or, or you're no longer qualified to have this occupation or to start that business, just because they're seen from the outside. But what I am encouraged by is that the world looks on the outside, but, the, but God looks at the heart, correct? Um, the world might not be able to see because, see, the world is limited by what they can see and what they can perceive because here's the thing, the world didn't create us. God did. And nobody else knows our true value other than the one who created us. So that's why God, when he looks at us, he, he sees the value that we have on the inside and he sees who we could be. And, and so what we're talking about tonight is that we're being called and we are qualified to do what God has called us to do. And what we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to spend time in, is that we're going to talk about a person who feels unqualified or felt unqualified, and his name is Gideon. And Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to pick up tonight, verse 11. Um, but kind of, of context to where we're picking up, if you've read uh, the book of Judges, you know um, that there is a pattern to each judge, is that um, the whole reason why God appointed these judges was because Usually Israel would turn their back on God, and then they would begin to worship maybe foreign idols or, or do the things that God told them not to do. And because of that, um, Israel would find themselves uh, either being persecuted by a foreign nation or, or being held captive by a foreign nation. And so they cried out to God because of this, because they turned their back on God. And they cried out to God because during this time, um, Israel is on the brink of starvation. Uh, because the Midianites, uh, which is a foreign nation, has been persecuting them. It says in Scripture that they would actually take all of their uh, livestock and produce away from them. And so they were on the brink of starvation. If they tried to stop them, uh, the Midianites would just kill anybody who stood in their way. And so Israel was crying and crying out to God uh, for somebody to help them or for a judge. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about, who Gideon was. And so this is where we pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, and it says this. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide. Everybody say hide. To hide the grain from the Midianites. So when we talk about threshing wheat, typically... Um, where that takes place is at the top of a mountain um, where it is very windy because threshing wheat, what they would do is they would get like a pitchfork and they would pick up the wheat and they would toss it up in the air. And when it was in the air, the wind would separate um, the wheat um, from the shaft. And then that's how they would uh, separate that and collect the grain and use it to, to make bread or, or other things. And so usually it took place at a mountaintop. 
But where we pick up in scripture, Gideon is threshing wheat at the valley floor to hide from the Midianites. Because see, he was afraid that if he would go to the mountaintop, that the Midianites would see him and either uh, stop him or take his grain away from him. So he was doing it on the valley floor because he was afraid of the Midianites. So a lot of times that's what, when we feel unqualified, we feel afraid to do what God has called us to do. When we feel unqualified, there are times when God has called us to go higher, but we settle for the valley because we don't think we're even good enough to make that climb. And so this is where Gideon is at. He's afraid. He, he doesn't think he can man up against the Midianites. He doesn't think he has a chance against them, and he's just trying to hide, and he's trying just to get by in life. See, that's what makes us, well, that's what feeling unqualified makes us do is just, just trying to get by. I don't know if you ever said that, but say, God, I'm, I'm just trying to get by in life. I'm just trying to scrape by. See, that's not the life God has called us to live. Isn't this one scraping by? Isn't one just getting by? God has called us to live a life filled with his grace and peace and favor and provision. And that's one where we say, God, we go not from uh, loss to loss, but from victory to victory, right? But only people who feel qualified take that step. And following after God and where we pick up Gideon, he feels unworthy. He feels afraid of the Midianites. But watch what, how the Lord responds to him. He says in verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, Scaredy cat. No. He said, What are you doing, man up? Did he call him a coward? No, he looks at Gideon where he's at, acting like a coward, but he calls him mighty hero. He said, the Lord is with you. This is what I love about our God is that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our flaws. He doesn't see those things that we have in our own insecurities. No, he sees for us for who we truly are in the name of Jesus. That's who he sees us as. So even if we feel unqualified to, to do this or to that or to do his will, he looks at us. He says, no, you are more than qualified. Why? Because I am with you. Why? Because I will be with you every step of the way. And so it doesn't matter what we may feel like or maybe it doesn't even matter what the world may call us unworthy or unqualified. I'm here to encourage you to say that God thinks you are more than worthy and qualified because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Amen. So he looks at Gideon and he says, mighty hero. He said, the Lord is with you. He didn't look at Gideon and say, what are you doing? Why? What are you doing afraid? What are you doing staying in this place? Why don't you fight the Midianites? Why don't you man up? Why don't you step out? No, he, he didn't call him out for where he was. He called him out for where he knew he was going. He said, I see, I see in Gideon's future that he is going to be a leader even before he was. He, he looked at Gideon and said, I see you being a mighty hero even though you're being uh, weak right now. That's, see, that's what God encouraged us with is that he sees who we truly are because only he knows who we truly can be. Amen? And in verse 13, this is how Gideon replies. He says, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us. Why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us? Everybody say abandoned. 
says, the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. See, Gideon felt abandoned, but in reality, God never left. Gideon felt like he was alone. In reality, the Lord was always right there. It says in Scripture that the Israel, they are the ones who turned their back on God and began to, for, to worship foreign idols. See, God never turns his back on us, but there are times that we can't turn our back on God. And it's in those times where we feel alone or might feel left out. But even in those times when we feel like we have made mistakes and that we have been left behind or felt like that we have been disqualified, even when we feel alone, even when we feel like God has left us, God will never leave us nor forsake us. Even when we feel like we are abandoned, because sometimes the enemy tries to convince you of that, right? Sometimes the enemy tries to convince you of, hey, you've made too many mistakes. Hey, you have too many flaws and weaknesses. That's why God has left you behind. That's why you can't find yourself in God's will. See, the enemy tries to convince us of that because if we just wake up like how Gideon's about to be and say, no, even when I feel abandoned, I know that the Lord is with me. And all I have to do is just turn myself around, stop doing what I'm doing, and get back on track. All of a sudden, we're right where God wants us to be. That's what I love about following after Jesus is that even if we take a hundred steps in the wrong direction, even if you say, no, Caleb, I've made mistake after mistake after mistake, all it takes is one step in the right direction, and we're right back on track with Jesus. Amen? And I like how he responds. He, he, he's, he talks to, he, he's talking to the angel of the Lord right now. He's, he's literally talking to the creator of heaven and earth, and he says, sir, if the Lord is with us. He doesn't even realize who he's talking to. He is complaining about God to God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? He, he doesn't even realize who he's talking to. See, that is what feeling unqualified will do. It will make you unaware of the presence of God. You might even be in a place like this. But because you feel unqualified to be in church or feel unqualified to be loved by God, you won't even be aware when you feel his presence and his love in the atmosphere. But when you say, I know who I am in Christ, I know that I'm always worthy in the name of Jesus, that I'm not worthy because of works. I'm worthy because of who Jesus is for me. You can come into a place like this, in a house like this, or watch a message on YouTube and feel the presence of God because you know you're qualified to feel it because of who Jesus is. Amen? And he said, sir, if the Lord is with us, and he was unaware of who he was even talking to, and, and you can tell in his response that he is very negative in his viewpoint. He, he is talking about all the things that are going wrong, and he doesn't realize the, the opportunity that is in front of him. Then in verse 14, it says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go. Everybody say go. go. Say go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He said, I am sending you. See, Gideon, he was telling the Lord, look, we're in a bad place right now. The Midianites have been taking things from us. We're in a place that the, there is no way that you're saying that the Lord is with us because look around. I, we are stuck. We are starving. How can you say the Lord is with us? And all God said, he didn't say, okay, let me go fix those things first. It didn't go. He didn't say, let me give you all these resources. It didn't go. He didn't say, okay, let me make you into this uh, muscular leader that is not afraid anymore and then you can go. 
the next words the Lord said was, I know all those things, now go. Go with the strength you have, because I'm calling you. So when God calls us, we have to go with the strength we have, not wait for the strength to take that step. When God is calling you to start that business or to, to talk to that friend about Jesus, you, you're not supposed to wait until you feel like it. You're supposed to take that step step by faith, and then all of a sudden, you will feel like it. All of a sudden, you will get the strength. You say, go. Everybody say, go. Go with the strength you have. See, all you have right now is all you need to please Jesus, to please God, to please his will. You don't need anything else. You don't have to wait until you get the right relationships or connections. You don't have to say, God, well, before I take that step, I need to have this amount in my savings account, or I need to have this type of car, I need to have this type of house. No, God's saying, go with the strength you have, because why? Because I am with you. Go now. Don't wait till later. Go now, because if you wait until you feel qualified for God's calling, before you take that step, you're never going to feel qualified enough, perfect enough, or well enough to ever take that step. There's so many people I talk to who they have so many strengths on the inside of them, but because they have this a few things where they're lacking, they're saying, I can't be used by God. I, I can't do this. I can't be a good parent, or I can't be a good family member, or I can't be a, a good student because of these things. I'm saying, no, look, look at the strength you have. That's all you need because you have Jesus. He'll make up the rest. Take that step, and God will be with you. Here's the thing. If you feel fully capable of doing God's plan, if you, like, see God's plan in front of you and you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's for me. That's all my strengths. That's exactly how I see it, too. Can I say, if you feel fully capable of God's calling, then it's not God's calling. If you feel fully capable and you look at your strengths, like, oh, I see that, God, because I'm good at this and I'm good at that and I'm great at this, then it's not God's plan. God's calling on our life has to make us say, I don't know how I'm going to do this alone. God, I need you with me. God's plan is supposed to look like, God, I don't have the strength. I don't have that. I lack in so many areas, but I'm going to trust you to meet me there. And then that is what faith looks like, is taking that step after him. So that's what God's plan requires. Not man's protection, but God's protection. Not man's provision, but God's provision. If you're making your own way and you think that's God's calling and you're not using any of God's resources, then it's not God's plan. God's plan requires his resources. It requires his favor and blessing. That's why whenever he calls us, a lot of times our first response is, God, I'm not capable of that. And then God responds, that's the point, right? <laughs> because you need me. I'm the one who makes you capable. I'm the one who makes you able. I'm the one that gives you the strength. Not yourself, not the world. I'm the one who makes you capable for the calling I have for your life. So we don't get our mission from man. We don't get our plan from people. We get our direction from the person who created us. We get our direction and, and the purpose from the person who knows us and the God who knows us better than we do. It says he knows the number of hairs on our head. Right? It's going to take us forever to count that. We would never, we'd never be able to do that. That scripture says that for this. He knows you better than you know you. So when he calls you, don't question him. When he calls you, don't say, well, are you sure about that, God? Yeah, he's more sure about it than you are because he knows you better than you. He knows what you're capable of if you take that step of faith. He knows what you are able to do if you trust him with those directions and those being obedient to his will. He knows what you can do. So we can't let people who didn't create us determine what we were capable of. 
There's so many people who, I, who I've talked to and said, well, so-and-so said I'm not able. Or my parents said I'm not able. Or my friend said I'm not capable of doing this. And my next response is this. Look, they're not God. I love them, they're, but they're not God. Only God knows what you're capable of because God is one who created you. He's the one who knows exactly what you're able to do. So stop getting people's limitations. Take them off and say, God, if you called me, I'm qualified for it because I trust that you know what I'm capable of. Amen? Well, give Jesus a shout of praise tonight. We believe that. And it says in verse 15, and so Gideon is, is going back and forth with God about if he's qualified, if he's not. And I mean, honestly, it's like a conversation that we have with God all the time. God says to do this. We say, but God, remember that, this part? And then God said, oh, yeah, but I'll do this. It's like, oh, but God, remember this? I, like, I have this going on. I have that going on. So in verse 15, this is how Gideon replies. He says, but, Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest. Everybody say weakest. And the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least. Everybody say least in my entire family. Every time I look at this scripture, it seems like Gideon is telling something to God like it's new information to him, right? He's like, he's like God, I know, I get why you think that, God. I, I get it. But you don't understand, I'm the weakest, and I'm the smallest, and I'm the least. Now that you have that information, we can go along our way, right? God is saying this, look, I know all those things. Why do you think I'm calling you? I know all your flaws. Why do you think I'm calling you? I know all your shortcomings. Why do you think I'm calling you? Why? Because I don't want your strength to get the glory. I want my power through you to get the glory. I don't want people to look at your success and say it's by man's strength. I want people to look at your success and say it's by God's grace that that happened to Caleb. It's by God's grace that it happened to Haley. Not by their strengths, but by God's grace on the inside of them. Point one for tonight, I know it was long going into point one, is this. Do not let insecurities become our identity. Do not let insecurities become our identity. Because you see, Gideon responded with what he thought he was. He said, God, look, I'm the smallest and I'm the weakest. A lot of times we have so many good things going for us, but we identify ourselves with what we are weak at or what we lack at. And you say, God, I know you want me to, to, I know you want to use me in this area, but I don't have that experience or I don't have that education or, or I don't have that talent or that skill. And we try to tell God what we're not, and he's trying to tell us who we are. We're trying to tell God what we identify is with our weaknesses. And God say, no, don't identify yourself with those. Identify yourself with who you are in the name of Jesus and realize that that's not your identity. Your mistake doesn't make your mistake. Your, your failure doesn't make you a failure. We all have flaws. We're all human. But we choose to identify ourselves with Jesus and not with those mistakes. We choose to identify ourselves with who we are in Christ and not who we are in Facebook and Instagram, right? Not who we are when we post a picture and somebody says, oh, what's this or what's that, right? We don't identify ourselves with that. We identify ourselves with who Jesus says we are. We identify ourselves because he tells us that we're not the weakest and the smallest, even though that might be the reality, because that was the reality, right? He was the weakest and the smallest, but God knew who he was in true value and who he saw he was with him. 
And see, when we look at ourselves, it might be true we don't have all the education, but what is also true is that we have Jesus with us. It might be true that you didn't grow up with the best parents, so you, you don't know how to be a good parent, but it's also true that you have Jesus with you. It, it might be true that you don't have the talent or the skill for it, but it is true that you have Jesus with you. And that's what he was trying to explain to Gideon and say, yes, I understand you're the smallest and the weakest, but here's the thing, you have me as well. I understand you might be in a shortcoming, but here's the thing, I'm going to be your strength in every moment. In verse 16, this is what he tells him. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And he was talking about the Midianite army. He said, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, Gideon was telling him all these things, all his weaknesses and all his shortcomings. But God was saying, it's okay. I get all that. I see all that. And I know all that. But why I'm telling you and calling you is because I'm going to be with you along the way. What's going to be the difference maker? It's going to be that I am with you. The difference maker isn't how strong you are. The difference maker is whether or not you're following after my will. If I am with you, said, it will be like you're fighting against one man. It was like Gideon was telling God all of his weaknesses. Gideon was telling God all of his shortcomings. But God was saying, look, none of those things matter if I'm with you. None of those things matter if I'm with you. There's been many times where I've been in prayer and God's been telling me to, to do something or make this decision. I say, God, no, I'm weak in this area. Or I'm not capable. I don't have that type of knowledge or experience. And God's saying, look, I know. But the difference is not you, it's me. The difference maker is not you, it's me. If I am with you even where you are weak, even with when you feel you are lacking, the difference is that I will be with you. Has anybody tried to do something without God? Anybody else? this myself? Has anybody tried to make a decision like, God, this is a really good idea? So I'm going to try, like, I get it. I get it, God. You have a plan. I get it. But this is a really good idea. So let me try out this real quickly. And who knows, that never goes well, right? You always try it and you realize that you, all the shortcomings are really true without God. But at the same time, if God has called you to something that was bigger than that, that was greater than that, business plan, whatever you're trying to do, and you say, okay, God, I trust you, and then all of a sudden, you had strength you didn't know you had, you had a vision you didn't know you had, all of a sudden, you were doing something, and it seems like God's grace and hand was doing it for you, and you're saying, what? What's the difference? The difference is God. That's the difference. A lot of times, we think we have great ideas, but if it's not a God idea, it's not going to work out. A lot of times, think we have something great going on, but if it's not God's will for us, it's not going to work out. The difference is God. The difference is God. And this is what he was he's telling us. He's, God was telling Gideon, I know you have these weaknesses. I know you have these shortcomings. But the difference is that you have me with you. You have me with you every step along the way. Point two for tonight is this. is that God can work with our weaknesses. He can work with our weaknesses. He can work with our lack of experience because he'll make up the difference. He can work with our lack of talent or skill. Why? Because he'll make up the difference. He can work with it. But you know what God can't work with? Anybody want to know? You know what God can't work with? It's people who think they have no weaknesses. He can't work with those people. Or people who are even unaware that they have weaknesses. He can't work with those people. He can't work with people who are so don't look around, prideful and arrogant who think, God, why do I need you? Look how great I am. 
God, why do I need your hand on my business? Look how great it's doing. Why do I need your hand on this or on that? Look how good it's doing. And God's saying, yeah, I see you're doing well, but with me, you'll be doing things you never thought or dreamed of possible. Sometimes our greatest enemy can be success. Because then we begin to think we got things figured out, right? They get, then we begin to think, well, God, I'm getting pretty good at this life thing. I mean, look how much is in my bank account. I mean, look at, look at, how, look at my nice car right now, God. I'm getting this figured out. And God's saying, look, do not go down that road because it's not going to be fun for you. God can work with weaknesses, but God can't work with people who think they have no weaknesses, who, are, who think that they don't need God in this area, who think that they're good without God. See, God works with our weaknesses. That's why Jesus is called the, the greatest. He was called the greatest of the servant. He, he said the greatest title is to be a servant. Why? Because the first will be last. And, and he was, when he, Jesus was, was roaming this earth in flesh and he was teaching and he was preaching, what his message was wasn't that you need to be perfect. His message wasn't was those who have the greatest works and talents and skill will be the first one in heaven. His message was this. Everybody's broken. Everybody is not perfect. Everybody needs a mediator. Everybody needs a, a, a bridge to, to, to God and to heaven. He said, and I'm going to be that bridge. But I can only be that bridge if you think you need a bridge. I can only be that mediator if you think that you're not good enough or great enough to get to heaven by yourself. And so what his message was this, is that if you think you're first, then you're going to end up last. But if you live last, you will be first in his kingdom. Greatest title of this is a servant. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. That's what was the message of Jesus, and that's what he was communicating to Gideon. He said, look, I see your weaknesses, and I can work with it. Because those weaknesses, you acknowledging that you have a weakness shows me that you need Jesus. You acknowledging that you have shortcomings show me that you have the humility, shows me that you have the awareness, shows me that I can work with you because of your weaknesses. And see, after this encounter, he, God talks to, to Gideon. He equips him with his word, and he tells him that he's going to be with them. And, but he, then he, he tells him all these things over these next few verses leading up to Judges 6.25. He, he tells Gideon who he is, and he tells him what his future holds, and he tells him that he is qualified. But then he instructs Gideon to do something. Because here's also something we get caught up on is that when we get that qualification calling from God, we didn't wait to take that step, right? We didn't wait to take that first step of action. And this is where we pick up in Judges 6, verse 25. It says this. It says, that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull it down. Everybody say, pull down. Your father's altar to Baal. You see, we got to remember, the whole reason why they're in this mess is because they are worshiping false idols. The whole reason why the whole nation of Israel is starving and on the brink of dying is because they chose to turn their back on God and worship false idols. And so God was saying this, I have called and qualified you, but before you can take that first step, there's some things you need to pull down and get rid of that's holding you back. He said, go to your father's house, pull down your father's um, altar to Baal, and cut down, everybody say, cut down, the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones 
carefully. What he was telling Gideon is that now that you're called and you're qualified, now that you have said yes to Jesus, or now that you've given that direction from God, there, you need to make sure that you stop doing the things you know you're not supposed to do. You, need, you know now you need to start getting rid of some toxic things in your life, some things that are holding you back. Because sometimes our people are so qualified and have such a great calling on their life, but they also want to do the things of the world at the same time, right? The people have such a great leading and direction from God, but because they don't want to let go of the world, because they don't want to let go of the old, it's holding them back from all that God has for them. But what God was telling Gideon, before you can get started, there's some things you need to cut down and some things you need to get rid of. So now he said, now getting that you are qualified for your purpose, you need to pull down some things that are poisoning your purpose. Point number three for tonight is this, is that we have to get rid of what is poisoning our purpose. We have to get rid of things that we know we shouldn't do. Because here's the thing, once we are called, once God has called us, then we have to take the, the next step, which is lining ourselves up with his calling. Because once you're called and once you're qualified, you don't just sit on your hands, right? Once you're called and once you're qualified, you don't go back to doing the old things and the, the, the things of the world. But once you're called and qualified by God, then all of a sudden you need to begin to talk a little differently, right? Then you need to begin to act a little bit differently. There needs to be a stark difference of you before Jesus and after Jesus is what I'm trying to say. There needs to be a stark difference between you before God and after God because God is not somebody who just changes some things. He's, he changes everything. I don't know what God has been for you, but I know who he's been for me, and he changed everything. There's things that I can never see myself doing again, saying again. Why? Because after God, I know that I had to change some things, and I had to line up my life with what he's called me and how he's called me to live. And so what he was telling Gideon is, look, I've called you and qualified you. Now you need to get rid of that mess. Now you need to get rid of that poison. Now you need to get rid of that addiction. Now you need to get rid of all those things that are holding you back because you can't walk with me and walk with the world at the same time. That's what we have to pick up. Say, God, I've been called by you. I know I'm qualified by your calling, but I need to let go of some of these things. I need to let go of these things that I know are holding me back. But that's what's so great is about who and Jesus has done for us is that we don't have to wait until we're perfect before he calls us. He calls us before we are perfect. Before We don't have to do all these good things before the calling of God. He does it before we are good. It says in Scripture that before we were good, as we were sinners, he died for us. As we were still falling short of grace, he, he died for us as a way of saying, look, you don't have to be perfect before you start. You just need to start. Don't wait until you got everything figured out. Don't wait until you got the Bible memorized before you say, okay, now I can start living for God. No, live for God now. Answer his calling now, and you will begin to see things come together for you. Amen? And so last scripture I want us to dive in with Gideon. Everybody enjoy the story of Gideon so far, the calling, what he's been equipped with. So God has called him, and and Gideon has followed the steps. What, what I see when I see Gideon being called and qualified is that he's willing to be obedient. He was willing to, to acknowledge he had weaknesses. He was, he was willing to, to get rid of the false altars and idols. And, and so in 
So after this, after God, or after Gideon answered the call, he, he was able to, to gather a, an army. It says over 30,000 soldiers were gathered uh, together by a man who, who saw himself as weak, by a man who saw himself this, just earlier as incapable. He was able to gather an army of over 30,000. He was able to become a general over that. He's able to become such a leader after being somebody who saw himself as such a weak and small thing. Who knows? Only God can do that, right? Only God can do that. But it says in Judges 7-2 that when God saw all the 30,000 warriors, this is what the Lord said to Gideon. He said this. He said, you have too many warriors with you. So you got too many. And I was confused. I was like, God, wasn't that the point of calling Gideon? Was they gather an army? Now he's gathered 30,000 warriors. Now you're saying that's too much? Sometimes we pray for things and sometimes we ask God for things. And, but what the problem is is that sometimes we have more faith in the blessing than we do the blesser at times. We, we, we prayed for God for this business to grow. And as the business grew, now we have so much faith in the business and not God anymore. We ask God to, to bless our lives, and all of a sudden we have so much more focus on the blessing instead of the blesser, where God says, hold up, hold a second. Don't forget where your strength and where your provision comes from. And he told him this. He told Gideon this. He said, he said look, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Everybody say own strength. He said, if I let you do this, people will begin to think that it's by the army and by the warriors and by their swords and by their shields that they beat and defeated the Midianites. They won't think that it was by the hand of God. They won't think it's by the favor of God. He said, so I have a problem with that. And so he began to, he began to in a way, over the next few verses, uh, shrink that army down from 3,000 to 300 in, in some very different and unique ways, if you know Scripture, from, from, from 30,000 to 300. So God sent over 30,000 back home, and then this is where we pick up in Judges chapter 7, verse 7. The Lord told Gideon this. He said, with these 300 men, I, everybody say I. He said, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. And he said, send all the others home. Because they're about to go in battle. They had 30,000 with them. God cut him down from 30,000 to 300, and his message was this. He says, you are going to get victory not because of your numbers, not because of your strength. You're going to get victory because I am going to give you the victory. You're going to get victory not because the army is going to get the glory. You're going to get the victory because I am going to get the glory. There's times, there's times in our lives where we say, God, I have too little for you to use, right? God, I have too little for you to take far. But point four for tonight, our last point is this. Is that God works best with less. God works best with less. Turn to neighbor and say, God works best with less. God works best with broken things. God works best with things that the world looks at and says it's incapable. Why? Because it's in those moments, it's in those times of where we are lacking, where we know if we get through, it wasn't by what we had or the strength we had. It was by God's favor on our life. God works with that less. He works with the broken. He works with things that we say are unable. So that way when those things become capable, we say it was made able and capable by God. Does anybody have a testimony that says, God, I had like $50, but you stretched it into $500 because I gave it to you, right? There's, there's been time God has done many things. This in, 
past three years for Haley and I in marriage to God, uh, you know, we don't have much, but what we have, we give it to you, and we trust you with it, and God stretched it. Why? Because at the end, we say, God, it wasn't because we had the right thinking. It's because we had the right mindset and heart of saying, God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to fall after you. Even with this less, I know that your best can be done. See, God works best with less. Don't think that you have to have all these things before God can use you. God can use you right now. Matter of fact, I can say God wants to use you more right now than he would when you have all those things. Why? Because he knows right now when you have the less is when he can get the most of the glory. Right now when you have what you think is incapable, he wants to use you because he knows that the world, when the world sees that, when people outside, when your friends and neighbors see how blessed you are, they're going to say, it wasn't because of them. Something else is going on. It wasn't because of their knowledge or skill. Something else is going on. And you can look at them and say, yes, something else is going on. And his name is Jesus. Let me introduce you to his name be the glory, not my strength and not my know-how and not my skills and not my talent. Amen? You can stand to your feet. I'm closing tonight. I want to close with 2 Timothy verse 1. And nine. Second Timothy verse one and nine. It says this. It said, For God saved us and called. Everybody say call. Called. called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved. Everybody say deserved. deserved. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace. Through Christ Jesus. What the thought of tonight, what, if there's anything I want us to catch tonight is this, is that we are not qualified because we have the know-how and the skills and the talents to be qualified for God's calling. We're not qualified for God's calling because uh, we have a, a, a great 401k or because we have a great house or because of anything that this world has to offer. That is not what qualifies for his calling. We're not qualified because we are good enough. We're not qualified because we have all the right things in place. That is not why God qualifies or why we are qualified for God's calling. What qualifies for God's calling is God's calling. What qualifies for him is that God called us even before we were qualified and said because of my son you are qualified because of my, my son has done you are qualified and because I have called you you need to know you are qualified it's not because because maybe people say you are good enough or great enough that makes you qualified it's by God's calling I want to close with this thought is that we are not qualified by our capabilities we are qualified by God's calling so if God has called you, you are qualified. If God has called you, you are qualified. If God has called you to start that family, you are qualified to be that parent. If God has called you to start that business, you are qualified to be that CEO. Why? Because if God called you, his calling is all the qualification you need. You don't need to wait until you have the degrees. You don't need to wait until you have all the things that man and the world says you need to be qualified for that type of calling. No, if God called you and he knows you better than you know you and he knows the, the things that you have in your future and he's calling you to there, you better know you're qualified for it. You better know that if God sees it, then it is 
good enough for you. That if God is calling you, then you are qualified for it. That we are called to have the, his joy in our life and peace. We are, we are qualified for it because God has called us to it. God's calling is all we need to be qualified for the purpose and the plans that he has for us. Where every head bowed and eyes closed, what I want us to pray tonight is this, is for us to block out any anxieties or insecurities or lies from the enemy, trying to convince us that we're not qualified for the calling of God, that we're not qualified for the things he, he has spoken us about, that we're not qualified for the things he is leading us to go. And Father, right now, God, we speak against every lie, Father. We reverse every curse, God. We we deny every lie that might be spoken to us by the enemy, but God, we do not believe those things. We do not believe that we are too weak or too less or too lacking. We do not believe that we're incapable or too inexperienced. But Father, we believe that all we need for your calling is just to be called by your name, that we don't have to be qualified by anything other than what God you have called us to be and who you've called us to be. So Father, we remove, God, maybe any lie, God, any fear. Father, is anything, a person under the sound of my voice who maybe feels like Gideon right now, hiding from his calling, hiding from his purpose, thinking that they are not good enough, thinking that they are not great enough, thinking that they made too many mistakes or have too many flaws or have too many mess-ups in their life to be able to be qualified for God's calling. But God, right now, begin to remove those lies, God. Right now, God begins to... God, move, God, by your spirit on the inside of us. Encourage us right now that we are called, Father, that we are qualified, that we're not lost. We haven't been left behind. We haven't been forgotten. We haven't been abandoned. But, God, you are with us, and you will never forsake us. That your plans and your purpose for us, no man can cancel, no enemy can remove, nothing can stop the plan that you have for us, God. All we have to do is just follow after you. All we have to do is to say yes to your name and say, God, I know I have these shortcomings. I know I have these weaknesses, but where I am weak, you are strong. Where I lack, you will make up the difference. Where I think I'm not able, you are more than capable. Father, I follow after your voice. I follow after your name. I follow after your purpose and after your plan. That we're not going to let no enemy, no voice, no insecurity hold us back from your best, God. In the name of Jesus, God, begin, Father, to stir it up on the inside of us. No lack and no fear. Right now, as we begin to sing a song, if you're in this place and you need to break out the mold, you're in this place and you need to break out the fear and break out those insecurities and anxieties, right now, just begin to lift your voice and lift your hands and begin to say, God, I trust you. God, I follow after you. God, I'm not afraid no more. God, I'm, I'm not, God, worried about the opinion of man or worried about what I'm lacking or where I don't have enough. But I trust you beyond a shadow of a doubt. I trust you that if I fall after you, I will walk in your purpose and plans for my life. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.